Now, I know that everybody has probably experienced this at some point in time, but how do you feel when you walk into a room and you think you're the only one in there, only to find out that that's not the case? You open the door and somebody's staring you right in the face. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but that startles me to my very core. Now, it's not as bad as, you know, picking something up and finding a snake underneath it, but it's close. Today, we're going to look at a startling encounter that rivals anything like this. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn over to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be there here in just a little bit. The birth of Jesus is a familiar story to most all of us. We read that and we're like, yeah, he was born in Bethlehem. There was no room at the inn. They laid him in a manger. The little drummer boy was there. I don't know how he got there, but somehow he was there. You get the idea. When we allow the familiarity to take over, we miss the significance and the beauty and even the surprise that's associated with the birth of Jesus. We miss the real sense of awe as to what has actually happened here. God became human. The creator of the universe that is too big for us to measure, even with the most advanced technology in history, even the most amazing telescopes that we've made, and we still can't measure this universe. The God that created that became a person. He didn't just teleport himself in here, become a person like we see an angel putting on the form of a human in the Old Testament. No, he didn't do it that way. He was born as a baby, grew up as a boy, was tempted like us, hurt like us, hated by most, all because he loved you enough to do that. What's going on here in Luke chapter 2 is infinitely deeper than a nativity scene. It's a census year. And Mary and Joseph are, they've got to go to Joseph's hometown, his native town of Bethlehem to be counted. And as you remember, he is engaged to Mary. They're not married. And she is pregnant. They are common poor folk. We see evidence of that in places in the text as to just how poor they really were. Well, while in Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to Jesus among the livestock because even the Motel 6 and the Days Inn were both full. So at face value, there's not much here. Some poor folk had a baby and they're away from home and it's in the midst of the cattle and the sheep. It's a non-story. But in verse 8, the significance begins to turn quickly. There are some shepherds nearby, and they're just going about their business. Chances are, we know about shepherds of that time, chances are at some point 
they had gone to the work of building a rock enclosure that would get the sheep gathered up during the nighttime. And at night, their job was to be the gate into that enclosure. That's what the shepherd did. He would lay down in front of that thing. And so they're watching closely everything that's going on. These guys are on alert. No question about it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the unexpected happens. Boom! There's an angel. Talk about a surprise. Needless to say, these shepherds are terrified. They can probably deal with wolves. They can probably deal with any sort of varmint that would have put these sheep at risk. So they're probably not easily startled. They're probably not scared of a whole lot. But this is a God thing. And they're terrified. And the first words out of those angels' mouths was, Do not be afraid. Sometimes that's just the first thing we need to hear, isn't it? But it gets even better. This angel has good news. So if, if you join me in Luke chapter 2, I want to look at a couple of verses here. Let's look at 10 through 14. Up in verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Well, once the angels left, as we read on, we find that once the angels left, the shepherds dropped everything, and they went straight to town. Now, I don't know what happened to the sheep, but I know that the shepherds wanted to see Jesus. They heard a great news message from those angels, and they went and saw baby Jesus, and then proceeded to tell everyone that they could about it. After that, we see that they return to their work, and they go on glorifying and praising God. Now, it can become easy to just read over these passages year after year and miss the depth and the beauty of what's going on here. A couple of weeks ago, I was noticing a connection between the reaction of the shepherds and what is reflected about the magnificence of God in Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8 is, that's where the psalmist, he, he is marveled at the fact that the creator of the universe cares more for humanity than any other created thing. It's really a magnificent psalm. So for the rest of our time, what we're going to do, we're going to examine some things that we see here in Luke 2 
And we're going to tie that to Psalm 8 so that we can allow the magnificence of what is here to inspire change in our hearts today and perhaps even surprise us a little bit. Well, back in Luke 2, the angel who visited the shepherds that night called the arrival of Jesus good news of great joy for all the people. Now, I don't think that anyone who is here is unaware of why Jesus would be described this way. So the question that I want to challenge us with this morning is, how do we react to this? What should the good news and great joy of the arrival of Jesus do to us? How should we respond to that in our everyday lives? Well, first of all, it should instill awe and amazement in us. The shepherds were amazed for a very supernatural reason that night. But if you read carefully in Luke, you'll notice that their amazement revolved around the good news message more than anything else. They weren't so much amazed at angels. They were amazed at the message of the angels. Now, when we hear good news, we often think of good news as being associated exclusively with things like reconciliation and salvation, which are things that are, we think of as being primarily related to our future. But when you look here, this was good news then. It was good news in that moment, and it's good news for us right now. And the reason for that is because without Jesus coming into the world, without him coming and bringing a world-changing teaching, think about the things that we would not know how to do. It's the coming of Jesus that taught us what love is and how to do it. It's the coming of Jesus that taught us forgiveness, kindness, how to deal with relationships, how to reconcile relationships. How about how to go the second mile? No teaching that I'm aware of before that urged people to go the second mile. And we could go on and on and on with this. Read the Beatitudes, read anything that Jesus taught that was upside down to what the world was teaching. He taught us how to be kingdom people. And you know what? There is not another lifestyle that I'm aware of that will work. If you want a lifestyle that will truly work for the long term, bring you happiness and bring you real fulfillment and bring you life and life abundantly, there isn't anybody else going to do that other than Jesus. And these are here and now things. These are good news things right now. Jesus' teaching brings us the whole truth about things. And nothing else does this. And he literally is the best news in all the world. What's amazing about this, what, what I still can't get over as I think about this, every time I really let my mind go here, I still can't get over the fact God became human. 
He didn't need to do it. He made everything, and he's got everything. He didn't have to do this, but he loves you, and love led him to do this. The creator of the cosmos was more interested in you than all of the trillions of stars and planets in our immeasurable universe, and he did it to rescue you from our self-created sin problem. He took on flesh and was born as an infant boy for you. Look at Psalm 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings being crowned and crowned him with glory and honor. This world can seem like masses of nameless faces of which we are just another number, but not to God. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. could have looked at his creation and said this is cool he could have done nothing he could have dropped in as a full-grown person so as not to have to face the hardships of growing up as a boy but he chose birth he chose life he chose suffering and he chose death for you let that good news of great joy instill a sense of amazement in you. After the announcement of the shepherds to the angels, immediately they began to praise God. Look again at verse 14. The angels, now, multitude of angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth among men, peace with whom he is, is pleased. Their own announcement the angels, their own announcement incited praise and adoration. It was that good. And it should do that for us. It should incite praise and adoration in us as well. After the shepherds went and saw Jesus, you'll notice they praised their way back to wherever they came from. They could see that it was that good. 
In Psalm 8, David praises God for the same thing. He's saying, God, as I look at your cosmos, I can't even fathom that you would consider me. And here's his response to that. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, what we're reading here in Luke 2 is monumental. Imagine a moment in your life when someone has done something very significant and even surprising for you that when it happens, it's something that is life-altering. It changes you forever. Think something like a marriage proposal. I know when I got engaged, it was pretty life-changing. Or once-in-a-lifetime opportunity is given to you. Monumental things like that. And this is bigger than any of these things. And both the angels and the shepherds are aware of that. So they praise God relentlessly. Our realization of the magnitude of what has happened here should incite praise in us also. Keep that in mind as we sing this next song. Angels we have heard on high
when you hear the birth narrative of Jesus, don't, don't just let it be another Christmas reading. Stop and consider. And remember what God actually did at that moment. And allow it to incite praise and adoration from you like it did the angels and like it did the shepherds that night. This news was, was so good, the news that night, that it had to be shared. Obviously, the angels had to share it with the shepherds, and the shepherds had to share it with everyone they saw. It was that good. Besides, this is the, the verse 10 especially is a very theologically loaded verse. Go back to verse 10. I want to look at that again here. And even into verse 11, but especially verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Both of these verses together, especially, theologically very, very rich. Notice, this is not just for, for certain people. This is for all the people. It's not just for the Jews only, which they've become so accustomed to thinking that a lot of this is. It's not just for the Jews. It's not for the good people of society. It isn't just for those who deserve it. It is for everyone on earth. There is no sin, no past, no nationality, no race or gender that disqualifies you from the good news of Jesus. This Savior is for everyone. And He is the Savior. And He is not just the Savior from our sins, but from every human shortcoming that could derail us. You think about it, He saves us from ourselves. He rescues us from our past, and He even rescues us from our future, which is really quite unimaginable. He is the Savior, and He is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the king. He is Lord. He is master over everything. You see why this is newsworthy of sharing? Because he is all of this for us. So here's the challenge. Let the story of Jesus impact you today like it impacted the shepherd. Our invitation this morning is an invitation to be blessed by the good news and great joy of our Savior, Christ the Lord, like the shepherds who visited Jesus that night. May it instill on amazement in you. May it incite praise and adoration in you. And may it inspire you to share the depth of the good news and glad tidings, wherever it is that you might go this season. Perhaps you've never entered a relationship with Jesus. Perhaps you've never fully embraced this good news. Well, I'm telling you, today is the time to do it. Right now. 
There is no better time to join in a relationship with Jesus. You can make him your Lord and Savior. You can put him on in baptism. And you can know that he is saving you from your past, from your present, and from your future. Whatever your need might be this morning, we'd invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.